welcome to the inaugural episode of the Full Stop Podcast. This is Max Rivlin-Nadler, a co-founder and the uh, a features editor. And seated to my right are... Eleanor Gold, a reviews editor. And Allison Connor, another reviews editor. And we're recording to you live uh, on tape from Los Angeles, California, where uh, one in three apartments are currently recording a podcast so we're getting in on it and full stop for many years has resisted the siren call of podcasting uh but we've finally given in we've given in to people's demands and on top of that we've gone and started a patreon and uh that's one of the reasons why we started the podcast is to encourage people to give to the patreon which uh, launched today may 1st and you should check that out at patreon.com backslash full stop mag where you could become a contributor of two dollars a month five dollars a month ten dollars a month or of course the preferred amount fifty dollars a month uh which is you um ascend to an even higher place in heaven because full stop is run like the catholic church in some ways but not always (laughs) um so uh again patreon.com backslash full stop mag and we will stop bugging you for money and start the episode so here we go starting with a brief history of full stop also delivered by max ah me again hello so (laughs) full stop what is this thing that you're listening to how did we end up in your ears how do we end up in your car doesn't matter where you're listening we're here with you right now and uh it's been a long journey and i'm gonna recount it for you so founded In the long-ago age of 2011, which was around 11 internets ago, uh, when starting your own website was a thing one did, uh, and there was an expectation that you could somehow make money with it, uh, Full Stop decided to join the fray. Uh, It was founded by a bunch of recent college graduates, uh, some not college graduates also, and we decided that we were going to uh, continue some of the conversations we'd been having as we moved to disparate cities across the country about contemporary fiction and uh, reviewing books that we found interesting either in translation or, you know, from small presses. Basically books that were weird and interesting and were really kind of having a moment in uh, around 2011, 2012 uh, when we kicked off. And the other reason we started Full Stop was because no one would publish us. We didn't have any bylines. It was really tough to find a place that would even publish uh, literary criticism. A lot of places uh, didn't exist yet on the internet that publishes what we consider online literary criticism to be. That's kind of redundant, but uh, getting back to my actual history story, uh, we were kind of seeking a way to talk about books and literature in a way that wasn't boring and didn't hinge on big names. Uh, What we wanted to do was capture a lot of the spirit of small book publishers uh, who were being weird and adventurous without being too esoteric um, in in explaining why we liked these books. So Full Stop was born, and it allowed us to interview authors we liked, reviewed books that we found interesting, and we started paying writers, young writers like us, to write long essays about things like obscure Argentine authors, Olympics held on stalled freight ships, or the extreme body peril of having a copper IUD that you're allergic to. We asked Marilyn Robinson about the state of fiction, uh, and then asked a lot of authors why they're broke. 
And that didn't necessarily win us a lot of fans, but we were able to do that because we ourselves existed in this nonprofit sphere where nobody was really making any money off of Full Stop, and we were just kind of in it for the love of the game and to try to continue Full Stop um, in a way that money would go from any advertising revenue or grants or donations and go directly to young writers as we got older and the writers stayed the same age. Uh, in a not creepy way of saying that. Um, so um, <laughs> we, we've done a lot, um, but we're like, we're like ancient at this point. So that's why we're starting the podcast is to feel younger. Um, a few years ago, we published a book. Uh, we've outlasted many of our foes. Uh, who were definitely not aware that our, they were our foes. So consider, again, this is a victory lap. Um, <laughs> the goal was uh, in starting Full Stop was not only to highlight the work that we loved, but also to highlight and support brand new writers and critics who were just getting their start, regardless if the field was going to exist in a few years anyway. Uh, you might know some names that we've published uh, with us before they were big, and we're always just going to say, uh, these are full stop authors, even if they've gone on to critical acclaim and forget us, they're still, you know, most famous for writing for us. Uh, this includes people like Roxane Gay, Larissa Pham, former editor Megan Day, uh, critic Joe Livingstone, Phil Clay, National Book Award winner, Abby May Otis, Moira Donegan, the list goes on. Um, really great writers that we've published. So, in summation, ending this absolute meandering introduction to Full Stop. Uh, what we're going to be doing with the podcast is not too different than what we've been doing with the website, uh, but you're going to hear a lot more from the editors, uh, more from people who've kept the site alive and well into the literary apocalypse and online apocalypse that we're currently experiencing and beyond. Um, and after all these years, we, we, we the editors, deserve to be heard, as well as all of our myriad guests that we invite on. So, um, we, we are really excited to be starting this podcast. We're really excited to have you guys here. And uh, we look forward to putting this out at least every month, if not more. Uh, we're going to be switching around the format quite a bit. It's not always just going to be me rambling. There will be other editors rambling. And other times there will be people we interview and they will be rambling. So get ready for a thrill ride on the Full Stop Express. And right off the bat, we're going to go to Eleanor and Allison, who are going to be discussing reviews and what kind of reviews Full Stop likes to run and the environment that Full Stop is reviewing in over these past few years. So here you guys go. So to start off our discussion of book reviews and how the review section chooses what gets covered um, and who who we talk about these things with, um, I do want to kind of briefly go off what Max said earlier, which was that Full Stop is and kind of always has been and hopefully always will be a place to spotlight younger writers, debut writers, um, books in translation, and a lot of and and mostly stuff that doesn't get a lot of mainstream coverage or doesn't get a lot of a particular kind of mainstream coverage. So I think maybe like to start off with, we can just kind of talk about about our process for choosing the books that we review, which is 
definitely one of my favorite parts of everything. Yeah, um, that actually makes me think of a, a tweet. I forget who, where I saw it, but someone, and not in like a, a mean way, but just in an excited way, was like, oh, enough with like the Sally Rooney pieces already. Or something alluding to the fact of like, you know, there's so many pieces. Everyone's writing about Sally Rooney right now and this new book coming out. And it just made me think that on the one hand that, you know, that's great that she's getting a lot of press and people are excited about the book. On the other hand, you just wonder who's not getting that space. Or the fact that you, when you kind of look at mainstream media, so many of the same books are written about and you think about all the other books that aren't getting that shine because they don't have, you know, that kind of uh, whatever press power behind it. Um, so that is always a guiding light for me in the sense of who, yeah, who am I not, who, what books aren't getting um, talked about in those ways or are kind of getting talked about here and there. Um, I feel like translation, you mentioned, that is always, or always thinking about genres that don't get that shine in a way as well. So one of the things that we've kind of talked about while we're doing it is kind of how we go about, because we split up we have, you know, the huge list of presses that grows every year when when we hear about new presses, new publishing houses, um, and we divide it up. We kind of do a, a split it up into into three three sections on a spreadsheet, and then we each go to these presses' websites. We email their their marketing teams or whatever, and say, hey, can we see, you know, what books are coming out in the next six months? And then we put that together, and then we talk about them. Um, so what is your, like, when you are going through those, what are, what are your kind of criteria or what are you looking for or thinking about when you do that? I think what makes me excited, and that sounds very broad, but I feel like a book that I want to spend time in their world or their language, or at least if not myself, that I think um, other people might want to. I don't know, I definitely have certain books that I have had my eye on or that, I've, that I'm kind of searching for. And then others I'm just looking for, again, something that's not a part of the larger conversation or I, that's getting left out in some way. What about you? For, for me, it's always like the stuff that draws my personal attention. Um, and I guess like this kind of morphs into a question of taste and like what are our tastes and what are the tastes that we use to drive the coverage of the review section um so kind of you know being transparent about that i guess um and for me it's like i just i love fabulism i love just like weird experimental shit and i hope we can swear on this podcast because <laughs> that's the only way i can describe it I, th- I, th- <laughs> I, I think i already got us going so please. i've already broken every every rule within the like first minute of my soliloquy so go nuts <laughs> um but the but just you know stuff that seems a, a, a book that seems to be um, kind of breaking any genre restrictions that, that may still exist in literary fiction, fabulous fiction, speculative fiction, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we do the same with, you know, plays and poetry um, in terms of just kind of what, 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 what is happening in, you know, in what, what appears to be happening based on, you know, the copy that we're getting, the marketing copy that we're getting mm-hmm. um, on, on the websites or, you know, the, the synopses we're getting sent. And kind of does that seem like it'll be 
you know, weird, weird enough to, to, to keep my attention. And like part of that, a lot of that, like, I feel sometimes very jaded um, because I think one of, like I started with Full Stop because Jesse Miller, the other reviews editor, heard me basically yelling about the Orange Eats creeps in the hallway one day. and was like, do you want to write reviews? <laughs> <laughs> what and were you screaming about? The Orange Eats creeps. What are the orange eats? Um, it's creeps? a it's a novel. It's from um, gosh, I can't. I wish I could remember the author whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head. Um, but the uh, it's vampires in the Pacific Northwest. But it's just Twilight. Like, no, <laughs> but it's it's super weird. It's really like the it's just like it's very like lush and visceral and grotesque. Uh -huh. as a novel um and it's just it's it's wonderful it was probably okay. it was the basically the second like work of experimental fiction that i read and fell in love with i guess like one of the things i'm always looking for as a reviews as editor and as a reviews writer is like to find the book that will give me that feeling again mm -hmm. um that will give me this like jolt of like, what the fuck did I just read? Because that was amazing. And so that's what I'm looking for when I'm reading these synopses, which like are always this, this copy, which like is always kind of dangerous because right, half of that is written to kind of appeal as widely as, as possible, um, mm. to not necessarily highlight all of the like bizarrety of, of a given work. Um, and so, that's one of the things that we do is kind of like filter through that and be like, this actually does sound like it's going to be absolutely wild. And that's what I, that's what I look for. I like that. You're looking for a shock to the system in a way, which I feel like there's not a lot of places you mentioned experimental that are, um, I feel like not only on the book side, but the writing side, you know, giving space to not only review books that are taking chances and aren't trying to tell you a traditional story, however they define that, but writers who also want to talk about these books in ways that aren't just about, this is good, this is bad, read it, don't read it, I liked it, I didn't. Um, that's more of a thinking process, at least that, you know, mm -hmm. um, or I was reading a quote by Parul Segal from, um, the New York Times, and she, uh, she connected criticism to wanting to get close to language, get close to a book, which I really like. Um, so I feel like, you know, not only allowing writers to kind of get close to a book in a way that giving them that space to do that. And I think that's too why like, I don't, half the time I don't really care if, if a writer has a spoiler in their review yeah. because the reviews at full stop are very much more exploratory in a way, um, are very much kind of a way of like thinking with or thinking alongside or thinking through a book. And a lot of it, it's, it's, a conversation between the reader of the review, who we hope is a reader of the book, and the reviewer and the book, and it's like, that will necessarily involve talking about the totality of the book. So there's, you know, 
there, there's a certain style of reviewing that is extremely valuable, that is like, this is the premise, this, these are some cool things the author is doing, and that's kind of all you need to know because that is designed to kind of say you should or shouldn't read this. But I feel a lot like what Full Stop does with reviews, like we're not necessarily telling you do or don't read these things. Um, it's more of a, this is some cool stuff we read, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's write about it with you. This is the experience of reading through this book. Yes. And sometimes I'm for it, sometimes I'm not for it, other times I'm confused, but the journey is worthwhile in some way. And that, I think, too, comes, like, brings us around to the question of negative coverage or negative book reviews, negative criticism, which is like a really important conversation. And I, 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 I fall on the side of like, there absolutely is a space for negative book reviews. There absolutely is a space for the, um, I'm probably going to mangle it, like the hatchet jaw. There absolutely is a space for the book, the review that absolutely pans whatever it's, it's reviewing. Um, I know, and, and I know we've, we've discussed this a little bit. I don't often write negative book reviews, partly because most of the time when I don't like something that I'm reading, it doesn't always feel like it's worth my time or energy to identify why. And the times where I have, it has been immediately obvious to me why I don't like a given thing. Um, and then that becomes a point of interest in itself that is potentially worthwhile mm -hmm. to explore. Mm -hmm. Ambivalence is not always interesting enough <laughs> to sit with for the length of time that it takes to write about. Yeah, I know. I yeah. When we were talking about this, I said that I haven't written a negative review yet, and only because I've just been. I have more control over the books that I write about, um, so I'm not getting assigned books in a way. I do like this thing that you were saying about generative um, taking a negative point or something that didn't work with you and making that a generative point of conversation. I feel like. When people talk about negative reviews, the word kind of flattens out what we're really talking about or the many kind of ways that we can talk about a review. And yeah, the more sort of just pan this, this sucks, what's really coming out of that conversation as opposed to, you know, I'm in this book, it's not particularly working for me and here's why. Making it lead to more conversations as opposed to this kind of uh, wall where there's nowhere else to go um, yeah I don't feel that that's useful necessary like for me like I read reviews to open things up and to see how other people are feeling so to kind of get to a review where it's just like don't go to this unless it's like something where it's like you know there's a lot of violence or you know this is racist or whatever um, any kind of thing like that I think too there's just um there are some negative reviews that I absolutely love reading um, because they are themselves like a critique or an exploration of um, the, the the given failures of 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 any of any book, um, and the and I'm just I'm thinking specifically of um, Andrea Longchu's recent review of Brad Easton mm. Ellis's book mm -hmm. um which like is itself like an enjoyable read that's very much like don't bother reading this book yeah. it is terrible but then there's some reviews where i read them 
And I'm just thinking either, and honestly, this is true of positive reviews as well as negative reviews, where I, where I read the review and I'm just like, you did not understand the book you're reviewing. Yeah. Or you completely misinterpreted some, and this is, this, this tends, like I, I see this a lot, um, misinterpreted some aspect of the author's identity in a way that then reflected back on your reading of the book in some way that 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 led you to this to this point which mm -hmm. i mean that's like that again like i say that's an issue for any kind of review not just necessarily a negative one yeah i like the idea of thinking of a review of exploring failure you know but in a way that isn't a takedown it's more just what where are we at right now or being comfortable being in that space and not seeing it as a and I think something to avoid yeah I mean I definitely agree with that because in a way that exploring the fail the way that a given work fails is in a way according it and the author enough respect to say like I'm gonna sit with this I'm not yeah. just gonna give it a one star on Amazon and move on with my life I'm gonna sit with the way that this book made me think and work through that. Yeah. Full Stop took a field trip to the Los Angeles Times Festival of Books in sunny Los Angeles, where we are. And it's always sunny, so I'm just going to keep saying that. While we were there, we ran into a few uh, friends of Full Stop, Full Stop authors, and our main question was, where are we? And we asked this of Sam Sachs, the poet. We're in Los Angeles, California. We're on USC's campus right by the PhD program uh, for English literature and also creative writing. We're near the poetry tent. We're by an independent bookseller's booth. There's a man in a Wookiee suit. Or what was that? What, like, yeah, I don't know. We're walking by a bunch of strange tents. We're at the heart of literature in Los Angeles. We're at the end of time. <laughs> and not satisfied by that answer, we decided to seek out Katie DiCibedo, a friend of Full Stop, a Full Stop author, and celebrated novelist, uh, the author of The Ghost Network. Katie, where are we? Uh, we are in the green room at the LA Times Festival of Books, and we are in a slow-moving apocalypse. We had a really delightful time in at the Festival of Books, and I kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion on how this fits into other book fairs or book festivals that you've been to. I think really what stood out to me was that everybody, it was outdoors, it was nice out, everyone was happy, nobody seemed utterly desperate to sell you their self-published uh, novel about dragons, and that's a huge improvement from some other book fairs I've been to. And of course, full stop being full stop, we got hooked up with the VIP treatment, we got uh, free food and free coffee, which was big, and uh, free cookies, we got to see uh, famous authors from a distance and glower at them. We saw T.C. Boyle, who's very tall and weird-looking, um, and uh, and we got to go some, to some good panels. So overall, a fun day of books and learning. I wanted to get uh, your guys' thoughts over there in the corner, reviewers, books people, people who tend to like books. Uh, what did you think of the L.A. Festival of Books? Well, I want to kind of maybe maybe take us off track a little bit because one of your initial questions uh, 
leading into this segment was how important was the Scholastic Book Fair to you growing up? Yes. And I do feel like that is a very important question that deserves some time. Yes. Well, I was going to get there, but oh. we just jumped the gun. You know, I write these things down in sequence. They, they don't, oh, okay. those listening at home don't know. Okay, do that we we, want to do this No, no, again? we're just going to keep going because we're going to dive right in. This is, we, we do it live. That's the beauty of podcasting. Uh, I just said the line, that's the beauty of podcasting. <laughs> I'm pretty um, sure that's the beauty of radio. That's podcasting, the beauty, yeah. you can edit. Well, we're not editing it because that would cost too much. <laughs> well, I love the Scholastic Book Fair. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Book, book fair. Book fair. Thank you, Allison, um, for just diving right in. <laughs> Much appreciated. I love that you brought that up because I feel like I don't think about that spot often, that that was a thing in my childhood. Because I think that it was only during elementary school that mm-hmm. I remember it. And then middle and high school is a blur. I don't know. That was such a magical time to be excited about books and like weird like paraphernalia related to books. Um, but it also was kind of cutthroat because it was like, mm-hmm who had enough money to like get the you know things or it could be like that i guess you could do the 3 for 10 yeah um those were good deals but only certain books qualified yeah it was like a crash course in like capitalism i guess or yeah what you were getting ready for um I, okay. <laughs> I don't I don't actually like the thing is I don't have a lot of memories from like before I was 12. So I don't Interesting. I don't actually remember the scholastic book fair very much, but what I but I know that I went to some A because I just know factually that my elementary school had it, but also because I will read authors writing about their experience going to scholastic book fairs or something and talking and I have a very specific image and I know that it is taking place inside of my elementary school gym. So it's like, clearly I remember that. Right. What I remember even more strongly from that time a little bit, or a little bit later, is the those accelerated reading programs where you had the books that you read, you took the tests, and then you got points that you could use to buy other books, what? which again, like in terms of Look at this. Learning in about the, capitalism. In the mall of capitalism from day one. <laughs> That's right, why because we really had it. right because uh, immediately your recollection of the Scholastic Book Fair was just a- accumulation, right? It yeah. wasn't was it even love of the word or love of the object, right? It was totally object and kind yeah. of like a free for all. Yeah, and more so like the little like I remember they sold like mood rings and all this like weird stuff not related to books that I was very obsessed with. I do remember very very strongly every summer like at the beginning of every summer the library that was across the street from my elementary school would have their like used book sale um and that was like as big or bigger because not only was it a book fair but it was library books you could Mm. take a library book home and keep it forever and that was that was something this had been in somebody else's bathroom so this is important This has been in a lot of people's bathrooms, and so... Why do you think people are taking books into the bathroom? <laughs> if you're just thinking the life cycle of a book, that's been in the in the restroom. At um, least it's passed yeah, through. Yeah, it's passed through. As it were. <laughs> but but not, at, not at the Los Angeles Times uh, Festival of Books today. I don't today. know, I think there was a used book sale there. There too. was. Everything was, so. like, shiny and new. There was a bunch of really... There were definitely some, like... 
There were some used books. Yeah, used books. It was great. It was, it was, it was the entire spectrum of book readership and, yes. and enjoyment. Even Hollywood, I feel like. They were, like, production table. Like, some production companies mm-hmm. had table, I saw. Mm-hmm. Like, Annapura had a table. Wait, thought. really? Yeah, at least on was the... Was that, like, in, like, wildly a hip table? I don't know. Like, this is super overpriced. (laughs) I wonder what they were even selling, but yeah, yeah, I I saw them on the map. Oh. There was, I mean, and this was another thing that was of interest, um, there were a lot of talks or or experiences, or I don't even know exactly what to call them, on, um, like, virtual reality and augmented reality that I thought was an interesting pairing um, with book culture and reading culture and all, all of these other things that were very extremely like publishing and author based and then it was game design and augmented yeah. reality it does it does bridge into these like the festival of ideas festival territory of like here we're going to invite politicians and luminaries and of course the obligatory invite to chelsea clinton which they rolled out today but we unfortunately missed um, unfortunately. unfortunately, yeah, they, um, you know, it, it, but it did seem, and it was encouraging that they did seem, uh, cause we're purists here that they, they were really focused on books and we did go to two panels. One was really good. The other mediocre. We're not going to call out names except the people really, really dug, but there was one panel on calamity and chaos in fiction. And uh, one of the panelists on it was Jordy Rosenberg. Yes. Right? Yes. And Jody Rosenberg brought up a really good point of, uh, about the idea of calamity and chaos in fiction and the need for them. Do you guys, feel, one of you feel more comfortable paraphrasing it? Yeah, yeah. The, um, this idea that calamity and chaos are themselves like a, a, a fairly normative way of driving fiction. And so perhaps one of the most radical ways of writing fiction might be to have a novel, to write a novel in which nothing bad happens, um, particularly in which nothing bad happens to, um, to characters or groups who historically have been the victims of horrific violence and oppression. And, um, and the specific example was a novel by um, Samuel Delaney, the name of which I cannot uh, remember right now, but I believe it came out in either somewhere between 2007 and 2012, that kind of follows its main characters, um, who are an inter- a, a gay interracial couple, through several years of their lives and nothing there's, there's a lot happens in this novel, but nothing bad happens to the characters that would probably happen in another kind of novel handled by another author. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was this, that was just like a really powerful, um, what, what Rosen, Rosenberg mm-hmm. um, called uh, their, uh, polemic on the idea of kind of imagining this sort of quotidian utopia. Yeah, that book was uh, Through the Valley of the Nest of Spiders by Samuel Delaney. I wrote it down, so I definitely want to check that out. I really dug that panel. The other panel was on um, memoirs that people had written. um, And queer coming coming of age novels. That was also really interesting and um you know kind of brought up the point of you know we hadn't read any of these authors and and really 
what is the point of a panel if you haven't previously engaged with any of the text, which I think is one of the reasons why people don't go out and attend these types of events. And it's because you kind of want to see which speaker you actually want to inhabit their thoughts and ideas. And just like from going to the two panels today, I walked away with a bunch of people that I actually did want to check out and I want Full Stop to do its coverage on. And that's the end of the first episode of the Full Stop podcast. Thank you to Katie DiCibeto, who really hooked us up at the LA Festival of Books, Sam Sachs, who spoke to us. Most importantly, you for listening to this. You for listening. And we're going to do one more plug. Um, so the podcast will always eventually be free. But if you want to get it before everybody else does, you need to become a donor to Full Stop at patreon.com backslash fullstopmag. And that money doesn't go to line our greedy little pockets. We don't spend it on books and accumulate things um, or on really nice cars, things that we're super into, uh, <laughs> full body tattoos, other things that are expensive and, and we're enthusiasts of. We're not spending the money on that. We're, we're spending Pure money. Persian cats. <laughs> Cryotherapy too. Cryo, uh, <laughs> we are going to spend the money on cryotherapy. So. But for our authors. For only, <laughs> only for our writers. Everything goes, thank you, Eleanor, everything goes to our writers. So um, every donation you give to uh, Full Stop, every recurring donation, goes directly to our writers and other people who help make Full Stop Full Stop. And that's pretty much it. No one's doing this full time. It's entirely a volunteer-run organization. Uh, so one more time, please sign up for the Patreon. Go to www.full-stop.net. Uh, check us out there. And uh, share, like, subscribe, whatever people say. And in the meantime, thank you so much for sticking with us. Oh, yeah. And thank Matt for... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, Full Stop is produced by Matt Orenstein. We, uh, he also does our theme music, all of our interstitial music, our bed music. Uh, he's the best part of the podcast, so we're very happy to have him along on this ride. And we will see you again soon enough. Should we say bye, guys? Bye. Bye. Adios. Is that bye? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's saying it. Oh, yeah, that's